I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Rod Piowski, Vice President of Thought Advisory at the Healthcare Information and Management Systems Society, about its recent 2020 cybersecurity survey and some of the top privacy and security challenges facing the healthcare sector in the year ahead. So, Rod, for starters, Please very briefly describe who was surveyed for the HIMSS cybersecurity survey and what are some of the most surprising findings that emerged compared with years past. We uh, surveyed cybersecurity and security professionals from uh, the healthcare sphere around the U.S. Mostly they were U.S. this year. But there were some really interesting pieces of information that came back through the survey. I think everybody has been made very, very aware of the whole security issue over the past few years, especially since ransomware kind of reared its head a few years back. And even this year, I think you would not be surprised to learn that 70% of our respondents said that they had a significant security event in the past year. So that's a pretty good number when you think about how many hospitals and practices and different health-related organizations are functioning right now. So that's hundreds of thousands of organizations are dealing with the security issue. So phishing is the most common type of significant security incident, and 57% of the people who said that they had had a significant event reported phishing was kind of the, the core entry point of this. And that means both regular, general, you know, blanket phishing, spear phishing is included, and then people are also starting to do more of what we call whaling, which is where you go for the really big, high payback targets within an organization. And of course, it's typically coming from cyber criminals and uh, other online scam artists. And what they're looking for is financial information and then employee information as well. And I think it's pretty well understood. It makes a lot of sense that people go for the financial information, but why would you go for the employee information? And that's actually really valuable because the attackers now are really patient and they start to kind of map out what an organization looks like. And not just from a technical infrastructure standpoint, which is one component here, but on the social side, what is the hierarchy of the organization? Who reports to whom? What kind of conversations do they normally have? What kind of tone do they use when they talk to each other? And then they use that information to create better, more targeted, spear phishing type attacks on individuals. And that's where you get people pretending to be your CFO, for example, and saying, I need you to move this amount of money from this account into this other account by 2 o'clock today. And uh, it really has to happen. And, and people, unfortunately, fall for that kind of thing, and they move lots of money into an attacker's account. It happens all the time. So the, getting the employee information is really valuable. Another thing that I think was really uh, worth pointing out here is, and this is a good thing, the number of organizations that do what we would call end-to-end security risk assessments you know, a more comprehensive security risk assessment has really increased a lot in just the last couple of years. Back in 2018, only 26% of our respondents said that they were doing that, and now it's up to 50%. Now, is that good that 
50% are doing end-to-end risk assessments, it could be better, right? And, and there's a lot more that needs to be done, but that percentage has doubled in the past couple of years. Something that's an ongoing issue with this and also very much consistent is that budgets for cybersecurity remain relatively low. Typically, they spend uh, less than or around 6% of their IT budget on cybersecurity. And this is one of those fields where the technology is continually evolving, both from a hardware and software standpoint, and it's difficult to keep up. It's definitely a challenge. There is an expense there, but 6% is, for many organizations, nowhere near what they'll need in order to really keep up with, let alone get ahead of this kind of issue. You know, another thing, Marianne, that I think is really important here to talk about is This result this year showed that the legacy system footprint seems to be growing as more operating systems kind of sunset and are no longer supported by their manufacturer. Healthcare, again, because they don't have the budgets necessarily, are stuck having to depend on these systems that aren't aren't patchable anymore. You can't upgrade them. In many cases, some manufacturers have gone out of business and you can't even replace the stuff. So this becomes a real issue. And we had 80% of our respondents report that they have some type of legacy system still within their organization. And here we're talking about stuff that people just really aren't using that much anymore, like Windows 7 and Windows XP and Windows Server 2008. And the danger here with the legacy systems and having to depend on them, for better or worse, is that attackers know exactly what the vulnerabilities are because these have been on the market for so long and they're not being patched anymore. So if you understand what the vulnerability profile is of a particular operating system or some other uh, type of legacy component in your network, you can automate a script to go and attack this company because you know exactly what the vulnerability is, you know how to exploit it, and it's easy. So anybody can just get a script to do this. So you're even more vulnerable because of the ease with which somebody can attack you if you have legacy systems. And that's pretty much it. I think what we came up with this year is it just seems like the legacy system situation really needs to change. You need to do more end-to-end comprehensive risk assessments, and of course we need to get budgets up, and then the awareness and training programs, which is always something, you and I have talked about this before, where the awareness is so important. If the primary route that attackers use is phishing, having employees be very aware of the techniques they use and what phishing emails look like and, you know, phishing through the phone, what all that looks and sounds like you have a much better chance of fending off these attacks right at the beginning because people see it for what it is. And in lieu of spending money, it can help you a lot. But it can't also, you know, just having an awareness isn't going to solve the problem that you have with your legacy system. So we're making progress, but it's slow. And I think there's, some, there's a, a long way to go. But we are seeing much more awareness, and I think that uh, we're going to be seeing continued evolution in attack methods, but more and more organizations will also get better prepared as this continues to become an issue. Because we did have people this year report that 
they've had, as a result of attacks, they've had patient injury uh, or harm. And in Germany, for example, there was a patient that died as the result of um, a cyber attack. So I think the awareness level will continue to increase. So, Rod, aside from phishing education, those sorts of employee training types of efforts, when it comes to some of the large hacking breaches that we have been seeing in the healthcare sector, are there any other certain weaknesses in the security practices and controls that are being implemented by the healthcare sector entities that are contributing to these incidents? If you read any of the reports that come out about fines being issued for breaches or some kind of a security or privacy uh, violation, it almost always comes down to failure to follow basic standard policies and procedures or failure to you know, continuously look at your access controls or to have backups. It's almost always something pretty simple that everybody should be doing that really, frankly, doesn't cost a whole lot. It's just a matter of ensuring that you've got these basic things in place. And and what happens is if you repeatedly fail to do these kinds of things, that's when the fines get higher. And when they lose their patience with organizations that seem to write this off as an unimportant component of providing care or handling data, I think one of the frustrating things here, and I don't want to go off on a tangent with you, but one of the frustrations is so much data is handled by third parties that you really can't control what their practices are. You can have an agreement that has a minimum level of performance, but there's, it's very difficult to stay ahead of that and monitor that because, you know, in their own right, they're an organization. They should be managing security as a professional organization would. So, Rod, you had mentioned the unfortunate situation in Germany where there was a hospital that was suffering a cyber attack and a patient had to be transported someplace else and had a delay in treatment and then unfortunately passed away. But you also mentioned that there are reports of other entities that have had patient harm as a result of cyber attacks. Were those entities in the U.S. and any details on what happened? No, no details. We didn't ask about those kinds of details. That wasn't our objective with this survey. We were just looking to get an idea of how many organizations are being affected by this and whether anybody had experienced this. And they have. It's definitely a challenge and something that's growing more and more important. You know, another thing that we think should be done here is that the cybersecurity teams should form a relationship with the patient safety groups within hospitals and other organizations. It seems to be one side is more technical and one side might be more clinical, but it's really important that they have an awareness of how each other's objectives interact and depend on each other. So we think there's an opportunity there to create a a stronger bond between cybersecurity professionals and patient safety people. In terms of the healthcare sector dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, is there one particular important security or privacy lesson that you think has emerged from dealing with this crisis that the healthcare sector needs to learn from and continue to implement? 
Well, unfortunately, I think what we learned is that even during a, a global pandemic, there are people who will try to take advantage of that, and they will try and exploit your technical as well as your social weaknesses. And we we saw a big rise in phishing and COVID-related phishing during this period. And the other thing that, you know, we heard a lot about, but we didn't do much in this survey about this necessarily, but the supply chain also is another component of providing health care. And, you know, what we saw with personal protective equipment, the PPE, was it was very challenging to get it. And it was very challenging to ensure that you knew who it was coming from. So validating your sources and keeping the supply chain secure, I think we're going to see a lot more attention being paid to that because you've got to have this trusted network. Uh, there were people that were being sold equipment that never arrived or it ended up being something other than it was purported to be. And this is just another component of that. And, you know, when you talk about the end-to-end -end risk assessment, it was surprising to us that supply chain was the last thing on the list. It finished in last place of all of the different things that we asked about. Only 15% of respondents said that they were uh, including the supply chain in their security uh, risk assessment. So I think COVID will raise some interest that way, too. And finally, Rod, any prediction about what the top privacy or security challenge will be that healthcare sector entities will be facing in 2021? And most importantly, any advice or suggestions ahead of time for these organizations to deal with that issue? Generally speaking, putting more money into it, having an awareness, all the kind of things that we've talked about, doing an end-to-end risk assessment, really raising the bar on what you do around security will help in a lot of different areas and with a lot of different problems. But looking ahead to next year and maybe the next few years, we think that there's going to be a real rise in the use of artificial intelligence, not just as a defense mechanism, but on the side of the attackers. And it's much easier to create credible-looking phishing, credible-sounding vishing, and the like uh, using artificial intelligence. And artificial intelligence can also monitor network traffic and identify vulnerabilities that humans may not have noticed before. And then the other thing, and I think this is really going to be a, um, an issue, is now that we've got lots of data, you know, in, in the security world, Marianne, we always talk about protecting the confidentiality and the integrity and the availability of data. And in the old times, five or six years ago, the main thing that people heard about was breaches, where someone's data got out there. And of course, you know, that can be used for financial crimes and things like that and identity theft. But we think that there is going to be a rise and an increase in the attacking of the integrity of data. And this is really going to be a critical issue where you can start to modify data that will be used to analyze or to provide treatment or even to do decision support. That's going to be a problem. And one of the things that we need to watch out for here in, in order to help protect that is to do whatever we can to get rid of these legacy systems, which are just sitting ducks 
And that system itself may not have some kind of critical data, but it's a gateway into the rest of your network. And again, as I you know, noted earlier, uh, the people who are doing these attacks are very patient, and they will get into an organization's network, and they will sit there sometimes for months and just plant one piece of data or one piece of code here and there, and they will watch, and they will build a map of how that organization works, which makes it very easy to attack. So I think watching out and having people who know what the data should look like understand security and that relationship so that we can ensure the integrity of data, I think that's going to become really critical here in the next couple of years. Thanks, Rod. I've been speaking to Rod Piawski of HEMS. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.